the very first episode of the Made Possible podcast. My name is Carly Cunningham, and I am thrilled to be your host of this collaboration between Small Business BC and my very own small business, Big Bold Brand. Did you know that BC has one of the highest concentrations of small business anywhere in the world? 98% of all businesses in our province are small businesses. Given that exceptional fact, we saw an opportunity to celebrate and elevate the small businesses run by people just like you and me from across this beautiful province of ours. Our purpose is to share revealing, inspiring, and sometimes wince-worthy stories about starting and growing a small business. My goal is to expose insightful wisdom and savvy advice about what makes building a successful small business possible. More importantly, we created Made Possible for you. Motivated small business owners who are seeking inspiration and the insights to fuel your entrepreneurial fire and make your vision a reality. We've got a great season of interviews ahead of us with a broad range of brilliant entrepreneurs from across different industries. There's a ton of business brilliance to learn and take away from each episode. Over the course of our first season, we'll be exploring the theme of community and just how important it is to building a thriving small business. I'm excited to be bringing you conversations with this year's Small Business BC award winners who ultimately relied on their community to propel them to victory. Before we dive in, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This first season of the Made Possible podcast is brought to you thanks to our sponsors, WorkSafe BC. In addition to their important role in workplace health and safety, WorkSafe BC has worked alongside our provincial health officials to support workers and employers across the province during the pandemic. To find out more, or to view WorkSafe BC's comprehensive list of COVID-19 resources, visit WorkSafeBC.com. On today's episode, in recognition and celebration of National Indigenous History Month, we're excited to interview Lynn Marie Angus. She is one half of the dynamic sister duo behind Sisters Sage, an Indigenous wellness brand from East Vancouver. Sisters Sage has seen rapid success since their launch in 2018. Although Lynn Marie admits that when they started their business, she really knew nothing about starting or running a business. What stands out in this story is that having a clear purpose and trusting in the powers outside of yourself, amazing things can manifest. Lynn Marie also digs into the real and unacceptable socioeconomic gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples in Canada and what it's going to take to fix that. By listening in today, you're going to find out how determination and practice have created a multi-award winning community-supported business. There's lots of business brilliance ahead, so let's dive in. Sister Sage are not only the winners of this year's Best Community Impact Award, sponsored by the Immigrant Employment Council of BC, they were also voted Top 30 Inspiring Women of BC in 2020, winner of the Level Up My Brand Contest, winner of the National Pow Wow Pitch Contest, and a CEO Community Selected Venture in 2021. Welcome, Lynn Marie. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's so overwhelming to have you like just say that whole list. I was going to say, that's a really impressive list. And I think you, you're going to need a resume just for your awards to, the, to itself. 
Yeah, it's such a um, overwhelming, a weird thought, but yay, yay me, go me. Absolutely. Celebrate (laughs) that. We don't do enough of that. So again, congratulations on your Small Business BC Award. And also, they're like back to back this year becoming a CEO venture. This has been an outstanding year so far. Yeah, so far. Um, Again, it's been so overwhelming. Um, But here I am and I'm super excited about all of this. What has being selected by your communities meant to you and how has it positively affected the business? Wow. Yeah. Being selected by like for Small Business BC, it was I was community nominated and then voted. And then, you know, I gave the pitch and was chosen by the um, panel of judges. But it's been huge. Like it's it's been so uplifting and made my heart just like explode like the Grinch. But I'm not really like the Grinch, but not at all. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just been um again, I'm like, can I say overwhelming? Like I, I just I never planned on any of this and I never thought that this was actually possible, but I'm just so overjoyed. I love that you tagged that. And that is one of the reasons we named this podcast Made Possible. This is really about all the dreams and the visions that we have and and how what goes into making them possible and manifesting them and bringing them to life. And I love how you've done that in your business. I'm going to go off script a little bit here, but talk to me about what bringing your visions to life and manifesting them into physical products, because I know so much comes from your heritage. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so if I just travel back in time and think about like at the beginnings of sister sage, we iterated so many different times and I don't even like, I, like I said, I I never planned on any of this happening. Like I don't even really know what I had planned. I was essentially, it was just, I wanted to make some money and create a safe space for me to work and for my sister to work and to get out of the construction industry that I was working in toxic work environments um and quite honestly we didn't even have products we didn't really have an idea <laughs> um and so we i think uh manifestation is a really good word because i just kind of put it out into the universe and like creator help me help me get out of this horribly unsafe situation and um find my own freedom Mm-hmm. And then, so we iterated, and of course, we knew that we it always had to be indigenous. We whatever we were going to do was going to be. We could have been selling cars, and I'd be like, "It's an indigenous car." <laughs> but um, we had Melissa was already interested in making bath bombs, and so we just kind of piggybacked off that. I had an interest in soap making um, before we even started the business. I never, I hadn't even made a single bar of soap, so the manifestations had to combine with a lot of hard work and research. (laughs) But what I love about this story is you knew what your purpose was. You knew your why, and it was so deeply seated and it had to do with vulnerability and safety and family and your community and the ways of your own culture. And you wanted Mm -hmm. to bring all that forward to create that safe environment for you and your sister. And I'm not going to say it didn't actually matter what did it because it does and it mm-hmm. weaves in so well, but you were so open to trusting that this is what I'm going to create and I'm not going to get caught in the how. And so often entrepreneurs get caught in the how. Would you agree yeah. with that? 
Definitely. Being in business is like a science, right? Like so many people, they study this and they get masters. And um, I just jumped in and I had no experience. I had no knowledge. Um, but I, this is what I, I wanted to do and I had to do. And you're right, I had to just trust. <laughs> trust that I would be well received. And I think just bringing my own authenticity and integrity to everything that I do in my personal life and in my business life has been just the huge, why, why we receive such a huge, um, great reception for mm-hmm. Sister Sage. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thread I'm hearing here is trust. Mm-hmm. You were confident in the decisions you made and you trusted that the creator would support you. And I, I eliminated it from my questions, but I'm going to put it back in. Mm-hmm. And part of the research that I did, it was that moment of decision-making after having a bad day in construction, mm-hmm. you came home, you talked to your sister, you're like, that's it, I'm done, and we're going to go figure this out. As And it almost seemed like right now. It, se- it seems to me like the story is almost, and you can correct it for sure. You <laughs> grabbed your sister's hand and you went down to the center. And I'll, <laughs> yeah. I want you to talk about that center as well. And it all seems to have just literally fallen in place from there. Like the path was waiting for you. For you sure. just needed to make the decision. What are your thoughts? Tell us Absolutely. about that. It was serendipitous for sure. <laughs> and I always say that. I'm like, it was serendipity. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I, I worked in construction for many years. And like I said, it was an unsafe environment. And there was this particularly crappy day when my older white male coworker who was running the lift hoist, like an outside elevator, she trapped me in the elevator. And he told me that he can keep me in there as long as he wanted and obviously it was terrifying for me. So I just screamed as loud as I could, got myself out of there. And I left construction forever. I never went back. And um, this is a really good topic to speak about right now as um, we are in mental health month mm-hmm. right now in May. So I was left because of this um, experience at work. I was left with post-traumatic stress disorder and I was left with um, major depressive disorder. And so because of this uh, incident, I had to get help therapy. Um, I went to pretty much like intensive therapy, exposure therapy to be considered recovered from this incident. And so after uh, one of these horrible days, you're right, I went, I grabbed Melissa by the hand and I was like, we're going. And we went to, I don't know, we were, it was like we were called to the Friendship Center in East Vancouver. Um, and growing up in East Vancouver, this is always like a beacon of home. This is where our communities meet up. So we went there into Access, which is the like career and planning center. And the first thing I saw was a pamphlet on the table. And it was for a community entrepreneurship program offered through the UBC Learning Exchange at uh, near Main and Hastings in downtown Vancouver. And I, we raced down there and they had one spot available. And so I took one it. Spot. One spot. And it was starting the next day. And um, Melissa was pregnant, so she was like, no, you take it. <laughs> I can't do it. And I was like, fine, I'm, I'm on it. Um, and it was nighttime classes, um, I think about three times a week for six or eight weeks. And at the very end, like we went in, or I went in not really having a business idea yet, but essentially the program taught me um, business basics, your day-to-day life as a business owner, what to expect as a business owner and the kind of work that I should be putting in as a business owner. And at the end of it, we, um, all the participants were required to give a pitch on their business idea. And this was my first pitch ever. 
and it was terrifying and horrifying and I didn't have like really nice products I had like kind of a little crappy bath bomb and (laughs) a a spray a lavender spray in a bottle but the the panel of judges they loved it and it was supposed to be 10 minutes I think I talked for 20 minutes and there was tons of questions and I didn't puke or pass out so success there (laughs) (laughs) and then at the end of it um I was awarded two hundred dollars and that was the that was the beginning, the real beginning of Sister Sage was that two hundred dollar investment into my business, which is you know it's not a lot of money, but we took it and we went and bought you know baking soda and and essential oils and whatever we needed to just start to have a beginning. I love how simple, and I know the act of building the business wasn't simple, but I find so many entrepreneurs get caught in the I have to do this and I have to have this, and before I take action, I have to, I have to, and there's a there's there's this list. And yeah. you and Melissa just took action. You just said, okay, this is, again, here's another sign. Here's, we're going to go do this and we're just going to keep taking action. And yeah. it seems to me that you're really good at taking action. Yeah. I feel like my life since then hasn't had a lot of downtime <laughs> because I'm like, I, there's, got, there's something else. I got to be doing something else if it's, if it's not making soap or researching or just, you know, watching YouTube videos, um, then it's connecting with community and connecting with other um, Indigenous women entrepreneurs or, you know, connecting with the CEO community. I want to circle back to mental health mm-hmm. because you've now gotten in this energy of flow of doing and with the topic of mental health month, how do you now in the busyness of doing in the masculine energy of doing business? And I know you do really well to balance that with feminine energy, but talk to our listeners about some of the things that you do intentionally to make sure that you're not burning yourself out and that your mental health remains in a good place. Yeah, that's a really good question. And one that I get asked so often and I'm like, Oh, that's going to stump me. Like, as a business owner, I mean, okay, at the very beginning, I was running, I was running, running, running. I went to, um, I was in UBC for the Aboriginal Business Management Program, and at the same time took the BCIT uh, Project Management Program, and still pursuing Sister Sage, and still working in construction. So things were really, really crazy. And Melissa had, well, to date, she's had two children um, since we started the business. Um, So a lot of everything just fell on me and uh, there wasn't a lot of time for self-care and I was really starting to be burnt out. And, you know, the pandemic hits and the same thing, I couldn't get any anyone to help into my at-home business because how can I have people come into my house? So things were really just crazy. But now that things have settled down and um, I have more financial stability, I'm able to have some extra help into my life. <laughs> and this it affords me more self-care. Um, so when people cut out of work at like three or four, I'm done too. <laughs> I nice. mean, I, I, I answer emails sometimes, but I'm, you know, I'm not doing what I was doing before where I'm up to like nine making soap um, and doing all of the jobs. So I like to eat food. That's a big part of my self-care. <laughs> and my, in my past life, I was a chef, so uh, a sous chef. And food was big for me. So I love to to cook and go out to eat. Um, I've recently bought a Peloton bike. And that has been really helpful in my exercise. And then also keeping in contact with family is really important. 
Um, and of course, hashtag bath life. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, not going to lie. Um, my wife and I, for our birthday, we were like, okay, we're in lockdown again. What are we going to do? And our next door neighbor was like, I love using bath bombs and scented oils. And so we were like, hey, let's try it. I have become a bath addict now with bath <laughs> bombs. And they're so much fun. Because um, I come in, it's not just about the scent and the feeling, but a lot of companies um, like your own, they make them fun. There's things that float in the water. Some have sparkles. So tell yeah. us a little bit about the fun you add into your products. Well, yeah, there's so a, a lot of my products are natural, but a lot of them use fragrances as well um, because fragrances are awesome. And I when I have a bath, I like to smell like peaches, like peach fragrance. Um, and we also use um, what is it biodegradable glitter because we don't want any little glitter particles going down the drain. But mm-hmm. that's super fun, too. And um, little girls love those. And I love making them smile and happy with their little bath bombs. Um, it's kind of funny because I'll, sometimes we'll have batches of bath bombs that are just like, they're not up to standard. So I have <laughs> like a bucket going of like these broken or um, whatever bath bombs. And I'm always just trying to give them away to like my family members. And they're like, hey, we have enough. <laughs> <laughs> like I can only take so many baths, you guys. Help me out here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one little secret that I'm going to um, add for the parents listening in, little boys love bath bombs too. Our yeah. nephew loves them. And, you know, granted, sometimes we try and find him like the dinosaur ones, but he also likes the dark blue glitter ones. So not to not to segment out that market, just trying to open it up for you. No, um, definitely. Melissa has two little boys and they both love the bath bombs. So um, she has to just... Uh, limit their bath bomb use. <laughs> <laughs> little little pr- little dried prunes running around running yeah. around the house. That's great. <laughs> I'm going to shift gears and we have a special surprise for you today. Um, oh, I'm going to give <laughs> Did you say I love surprises or hate surprises? I love, yes, I said okay, yay good. surprises. <laughs> okay, perfect. I was so busy looking for what I'm going to play for you that I um missed that. Hi, Lynn. It's Denise here. Congratulations on your award. I'm so happy that I was able to nominate you for the Small Business Community Impact Award. Congratulations and very well deserved. Uh, I nominated Sister Sage because of not only the voice and platform that you guys have gained, but because of your background and how open you guys are uh, to talk about your past um, and how you overcome the barriers of homelessness and harassment, um, et cetera. It's, it's because of you and Melissa's tough past um, that you have a successful future. Um, you've never forgotten the barriers you guys have faced, and it's because of those barriers you put a lot of time and effort into your products, but into the community as well. Um, I just love the fact that you raised so much funds for a number of organizations in the downtown east side and you raise awareness about these organizations i love that so much about sister sage congratulations once again oh my creator i can't believe you have that (laughs) you have to send me that oh don't cry don't cry don't cry (laughs) you know that was i have to give credit to our producer darren that was his special sauce to add into the into the awards episodes so i love that i'm thrilled that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you responded that way. And uh, for our listeners that couldn't see it, 
uh, Lynn Marie has this <laughs> smile that lights up a room and her smile was tucked into her ears the whole time, along with a few tears as she was listening to that. What that, I love about Denise's... So Go ahead. Sorry. No problem. Um, what I love about Denise's message is she pretty much sets the stage for the rest of our interview. There's so many topics that we get to dig into today from building a business, supporting community, traditional ways of um, Indigenous being and doing. I do want to circle back to the awards for a moment. When it comes to awards, grants, funding, applications, and essentially asking for help, I often see imposter syndrome and humility get in the way of entrepreneurs and business owners in the process of self-nominating and applying for these things that could immensely boost their business. What words of encouragement would you give to a business owner who's a friend of yours? If they were sitting on the fence, they were sitting with you and saying, oh, I don't know, should I apply? Should I not apply? What would you tell them? What encouragement would you give them? Yeah, great question. Let me let me circle back and talk about, you know, at the beginning I had mentioned that you know, I, I wasn't quite sure what I would envision for Sister Sage, but it was never about applying for or being nominated and then, you know, doing the application process for any kind of awards or applying for any kind of a pitch. But something that I always say to myself and to others is that Growth doesn't come at the speed of comfort. You have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And that's always something that's running through my head. It's like, oh, you got to do a pitch? Or even like coming into this podcast, I'm like, oh, my heart's going. But you know what? That just means the next time I'll be better and do better and be more comfortable. And that's how you grow. So I think there's uh, some quotes in there, (laughs) I think, that I can offer to um, aspiring um, entrepreneurs. Growth doesn't come at the speed of comfort. Yeah. Mind blown on that one. Absolutely. (laughs) And it's so true. Um, It's a lot of this job, if you will, being an entrepreneur is you rarely ever in your comfort zone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You share that moment for a minute. You're like, yeah. Mm -hmm." Yeah. (laughs) Um, Aside from the significant exposure and in the case of receiving funding as a 2021 CEO venture, what are some of the other maybe even surprising business benefits and advantages that Sister Sage has experienced from going through the various competitions and applications? I think the biggest thing is definitely exposure. And I'm going to be quite honest and truthful, like exposure and like being known is not, doesn't necessarily equate to sales or, you know, so, so, but I think that the having all of that exposure has been really huge because it gives me more of an opportunity to reach out to other women, Indigenous women and Indigenous youth. And so I, I think that's probably one of the best side, side effects. That's not the right word <laughs> of, um, of uh, these processes. Um, another huge one, too, is just gaining my own confidence to uh, to make application to um, any of these different, uh, funding applic- or fundings or grants or, or pitches. Um, and just learning that I can actually do this. And I come from cooking and construction and behind the scenes. And now I've just like thrown myself to in the front of the scenes. Um, and now the, the confidence that comes with that is just, I'm, I'm not going to get a big head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take that to be your personality (laughs) at all. And the things that you're talking about is what my coach refers to as, as far as your past careers is simply your body of work. Mm -hmm. And 
she expresses how, you know, just because you were in this box as a sous chef or I worked in construction, it doesn't mean that you don't bring that knowledge and the knowing and the experience and those parts of you forward into this business. And what I'm seeing is your resilience has made you an amazingly strong business owner. I get the sense that pitching has become much easier. And so I'd like some tips or advice that you would give people entering business competitions on how to succeed. What are one, two, or three things that you're like, do this, don't do this, try that? Sure. Yeah. I didn't, well, okay, besides the first pitch that I did that I had mentioned for the Community Entrepreneur Program, I had no research. I didn't know really anything about pitching. Uh, But since then, what I did was um, podcasts. I listened to every podcast I could find on pitching. I even read books. I read Kendall Netmaker's book, um, which was huge on pitching, and he was a huge inspiration for me um, to learn about pitching. I found out local... Uh, pitching groups in Vancouver and I would go and sit in on these um, events and just watch people pitch which was kind of crazy because they're always older white gentlemen who are pitching for like millions of dollars but still educational nonetheless and um, besides all your research I think just knowing who you're who you're pitching to uh, know your products know yourself know your business and practice (laughs) do lots of practice. Practice, practice, practice. I absolutely agree with you. So one of the themes that I hear coming through as we talk is your recognition of you cannot be what you cannot see. And I know that's a really important part of Sister Sage's platform and the work that you do beyond just making products. Tell us a bit about why that's so important to you and what you do to help be a beacon for women entrepreneurs and a positive leader for Indigenous youth and future entrepreneurs? I think this is a really in-depth question. (laughs) It is. um, It's a huge part of Sister Sage uh, is representation. And I want to be that representation for Indigenous youth and Indigenous women because growing up when I was a child, not even when I was a child, even in my adult years, there is not a lot of Indigenous people in business who were, you know, at least in the mainstream or like in pop culture that weren't just tokenized and, you know, not really authentic. And so I, for me, it's really, really important to, like I mentioned earlier, bring, bringing my authentic self and through doing that, um, I hope to inspire other Indigenous youth to, to realize that they can do that too. They can become um, an indigenous entrepreneur, or that they can, you know, get out there and use their voice and use create themselves a platform. And now, if you look on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, it's huge for indigenous youth. Um, if you look at hashtags like Native TikTok or Indigenous Business, um, we're out there, and we just need some more amplification and need to be seen. I'm super excited to check out those hashtags and learn more. Um, I know that SheEO has a big component and its own subgroup of Indigenous entrepreneurs and leaders, and I believe you're a part of that group. Tell us about joining a specific community that resonates with you and aligns with you and how that's advantageous to you as a leader, as a business owner. What does that have to offer? 
Yeah, great question. I think maybe a, um, a little bit of a history in my involvement with CEO. So I was suggested to join CEO by Tira Fraser, who's the owner of Esqueo Air, another Indigenous entrepreneur, a wonderful woman, my mentor and friend. And uh, so after a little bit of research on CEO, I, I decided that this was the thing for me. I need to join this immediately. Um, but my business, I think this was 2018, 2019, sorry. And my business was just small at the time. And I, I hadn't quite reached the qualifications or requirements to become a, a vendor or sorry, a venture applicant. Um, so I became an activator. But through activating, CEO really began to amplify me and they invited me even to the global um, their global global conference in uh, Toronto was that last year. My years are so mixed up right now. It is. It was last March, I believe. Um, so I went there and I spoke and um, essentially just made friends and created a new community. Uh, involved myself in this new community of amazing women who are um, have tons of knowledge and connections and money <laughs> and. Um, so I got to know them, they got to know me. And then I applied the, the next year, I, I was able to qualify for venture status. So I applied. Um, and this is the same thing goes back to pitching um, and, you know, imposter syndrome, and I'm not ready. And uh, there's so many other amazing ventures out there doing amazing things. And so I never thought that uh, I would ever be chosen. But it was down to hour zero or hour one, like I had one hour left to make my application and I got it in. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's over and done with, um, and just thought nothing would come of it. And then I was um, chosen by the community to become to be a finalist, and I'm just thrilled by it. And um, maybe I might be going off here a little bit, but starting up a business for an Indigenous woman is really hard because there's a lot of barriers facing us. Um, and I could go off even way more into that, but uh, intergenerational wealth is a huge one. So we don't come from intergenerational wealth. Oftentimes, um, it's difficult for us to find funding, uh, investment. We don't have family members who have lots of money or even friends. And so anytime you apply for capital, it's you are denied because you have to have capital to obtain capital. Yeah. Um, and so CEO was um, a great way around that because they they just they they gave me this opportunity and invested in Sister Sage, um, and I'm still trying to figure out how to use this investment money. <laughs> it's kind of weird to have a whole bunch of money, but now I have to spend it. <laughs> You're like, this is a problem I haven't expected to have a problem with before. It's a, a problem prob problem of the problem, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you went in that direction because these are really important things for everybody to know about, for people to talk about. You know, there's so many topics that are made taboo or you're not sure if you should talk about. And I love bringing them to light because it, again, it's reflective of that. You can't be what you can't see, or you don't know what you don't know. And the more we talk about the barriers for women in business, for indigenous peoples, for youth, the more it gets drawn into the spotlight and we can solve those problems. And I am so thrilled that you are a bright light and loud voice to support the communities that you participate in. You're, you so understand that law of reciprocity. Yeah. Thank you. 
I've heard you speak about how indigenous people were the original entrepreneurs of Turtle Island. And when with the inception of the Indian Act, you were legislated against participating in your own traditionally vibrant communities. I recognize there's a lot in that to understand, and I know it's important to you to shine a light on this. So for those listening who don't know, can you start with explaining what Turtle Island is? Yeah, I can talk about all of this for days as well. So Turtle Island um, is North America and South America, and it's basically this entire continent combined, if you look at it from space, we're in the shape of a turtle. Um, and there's uh, old indigenous, not, I don't want to say old, that's rude, um, currents. It's our indigenous culture and myths and legends about how um, the world has created and it was on the back of the turtle. I love that it it's a picture. And we know that as, as human beings, we all communicated in pictures first. And I love that way of being and doing about indigenous knowledge. And I say to my clients so often, stop stop using words. And start with pictures or take the pictures and simplify it and then translate it to words. We have so many ways of communicating mm-hmm. that isn't just verbal or written. This is my home and native land. And this is Turtle Island is indigenous lands. And this, by calling it Turtle Island, it's just even a small act of decolonization. Okay, we're going to go there. Because <laughs> I know there's people who still are wrapping their heads around what decolonization means. Can you explain that simply for our community? This is a hard one for me to explain because it's, I feel like it's really a, an ongoing battle, an ongoing process. Um, mm-hmm. This entire world is, it's led by, you know, the stale pale males. It's capitalistic and patriarchal. And I come from a matriarchal society. And um, so what we're trying to do is, is take back what was ours. And we, our society ran fine at, before colonization and so what we're trying to do is take away the capitalistic ideals and norms and come back to where we 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 started um, and where we're from. And language is a huge part of it. And so saying Turtle Island, that's just one piece of it. Amplifying Indigenous voices, that's decolonization. Um, practicing our spiritual ceremonies, that's decolonization getting back to the land and respecting and taking care of the land. That's decolonization. Um, so it's its really an all-encompassing um, movement to go back, go back. And let's, let's, let's not put our money and our, our uh, voices and or everything into the people who are the haves. Like let's go back to the oppressed people and let's, let's make sure and amplify them and take care of us take care of us and take care of community. Mm -hmm. You you explain that beautifully. Thank you for that. And you make it very accessible, which is why one of the reasons I was excited to speak with you today. Can you explain how the Indian act legislated against you to affect your people and their ability to be entrepreneurs and building a thriving business? Because I know that is Mm -hmm. a really important piece of decolonization and I don't hear it spoken about very often. Yeah, definitely. So the Indian act, um, legislation came into play in 1876, I believe. And um, the idea was to confine Indigenous peoples to reservations. Um, And leaving that reservation was punishable by disenfranchisement, um, 
jail, jail time, having your children taken away, murder, um, lots of different punishments. Uh, but one of the uh, a huge one was not being able to participate in our own economies because we would travel and trade, and we're prosperous, and suddenly being confined to small sections of land, we were not able to leave uh, and uh, participate, and, and it just kept us dependent on the Indian agent, um, and being kept in poverty and dependent on Indian agents and the government of Canada really made it uh, easy for them to extract resources from our lands and also keeping us hungry um, so we can uh, sign treaties, for example, uh, unfair treaties that basically gave them the power and kept us poor. So my idea of economic reconciliation is definitely not a, a reconciliation with the government of Canada because we never had a good relationship with the government of Canada but it's more of a reconciliation with ourselves and our inherent our inherent right to entrepreneurship and it's it's our take back and it's time for us to be able to define our own sovereignty and freedoms thank you for that and i love how you recognize where your paths forward are i think that's so important for anyone who is creating change anyone who is growing something that creates impact and i suspect your motto Sage Against the Machine was inspired by all of this. Um, I'm not even sure where it came about from. Um, I think it, people have been saying it for a while, but I was like, Sister Sage, we are, we're here saging um, every day against the machine. And obviously the machine is like <laughs> giant uh, capitalism and patriarchy um, and enough's enough. And we are basically like fighting with our medicines and our voices um, and that's what Sage Against the Machine is about. I made some shirts very recently about them. Um, they'd sold out now, but all of the proceeds or the profits from the shirts went to, we donated them to a, a group of skate, uh, Indigenous skateboarders um, in Vancouver that travel around and um, teach other, teach youth how to skateboard. And yeah. Finding freedom on wheels. I get that <laughs> as a cyclist. Totally. What are ways that non-Indigenous folks in our business community, because we know that the small business BC community is all of BC, and we also know that our Indigenous brothers and sisters and communities span this amazing province. So what are the ways that the non-Indigenous folks in our community can contribute to helping Indigenous entrepreneurs achieve equity and parity? So many ways. <laughs> top uh, top I, two, top three. Top two. Um, always amplify Indigenous voices. And come come and buy our products. Make sure that, I, I, okay, a big one is do your research and make sure that you're supporting Indigenous businesses and not businesses um, pretending to be Indigenous. Cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation is really big um, and it's very hurtful to our communities. And every story that I've read about or video that I've watched about you and Sister Sage, there's a vibrant and dominant thread of community. And it's clearly a very important thread that runs through your business and one of the most important things in business to you. How do you define community? Great question. Um, for me, community is any social circle that you are involved in. Um, for instance, the skateboard community. That's, you know, it could span people from Vancouver or the Tri-Cities or even like cities and cities away. This is our, this is our community and we keep connected in a certain way. The Indigenous entrepreneur community for myself 
spans across Turtle Island and being connected with all of these other Indigenous entrepreneurs is um, paramount to my success. I know that amplification is really important to you. So take 10, 15, 30 seconds to amplify the communities that are important to you that might help some of our listeners build their business, gain leadership skills, take part in things that are important that create reconciliation and change. I think I'm going to just maybe speak on some of the um, resources that I've accessed. I've already spoken about the Friendship Center and access. Um, Those are going to be very um, important resources for anybody who is looking to, you know, start, start a business. Chinook Aboriginal Business Management Program from uh, UBC. That was, um, it was huge for, for my business startup. Um, there's many different uh, organizations in the downtown east side that are really important to me. Um, the top ones will be uh, WISH, and you can find them online at, I think, wish.ca, uh, the Downtown East Side Women's Center. Um, also, that's another um, community group that I, I try to donate to support and amplify. And um, the overdose prevention site um, near Maine and Hastings in downtown Vancouver. I think those three are really important, um, especially for Indigenous people who make up um, a disproportionate amount of the population of people who are accessing these programs and services and who are. Uh, living in poverty and homeless in the downtown east side. So if you want to send help anywhere, I would suggest those organizations. So to help amplify those organizations, we will make sure that they go into the show notes of this episode. So if your business uh, is in a place to give back and you are seeking ways to give back, you can check out the links in the show notes and uh, dive in there. Talk to us about the way Sister Sage gives back to the community. Pick one or two of your favorites. Okay, I'll go into specifics, but at beforehand, it's money, uh, volunteer hours, uh, mentorship, and uh, products. So those are some like four main ways that we like to give back. What I love about that is it's not always money. There's many different ways we can give back, and those are four amazing ways that companies can think about picking one or layering different um, ways of making a contribution. So thank you for sharing that. I'm curious about a special story that stands out for you about a person or a group of people in your community that you've given to that might have touched you or surprised you. So Melissa and I were invited to uh, a women's gathering in the downtown east side in 2018. Uh, the knots in that women's gathering. And we were invited to put on a workshop and we did have a lot of experience doing this, but uh, what we decided to do was bring um, all the materials necessary to make uh, smokeless smudge sprays. Um, so we brought, I think it was 100 bottles and everything necessary for it. And um, we had like a large table set up and one by one women trickled in and they sat with uh, either of us and they got to choose um, whichever oils spoke to them and we uh, taught them about what was the importance of cedar or sage or lavender and um, whatever they were feeling at the the need or the call for at that time 
And so they sat with us and told us their stories and they cried and they were so thankful. And each one of them got to put their intentions and um, love into their own sprays and take them home with them. That is such a beautiful story. And you segued perfectly to where I was going to go next. So (laughs) thank you for doing that without knowing. I'm curious as to how Indigenous ways and culture have influenced how you market your business and how you make your products. Well, all, almost all of my products are have um, something to do with Indigenous culture or social issues. And I always say that um, it's, my soaps are basically a vehicle to get across Um, these issues that are important to me or some culture that's important to me and to share some education with other people. Um, For instance, the smokeless smudge sprays. Um, So we we recreate these sprays because uh, at the time I was living in a basement and I um, was told that I wasn't allowed to smudge because of the smoke. Uh, So we came up with the idea for this smudge spray and essentially it's a product that can be used It's a convenient, quick, on-the-go smudge that you can use like in a hospital or uh, at work or while you're driving and maybe have a bit of road rage. (laughs) Um, And so I I try to share. That gives me the opportunity to share about what smudging is. And it also creates um, a a product that, or, you know, it fills a need, say. So for, for those listening who might not have ever smudged or know what smudging is, can you explain that? Definitely. So smudging is when uh, it's a a spiritual practice that's um, performed around the world. And specifically for us um, on Turtle Island, we use uh, four different sacred medicines, which are cedar, sage, sweetgrass, and tobacco leaf. And we will take our medicines and we will burn them. And by doing so, we'll cleanse our environments, cleanse our person, our body. And then we'll put our prayers on the smoke and send it up to creator. Such a beautiful practice. And I've been a part of many different smudging ceremonies and they're just, they're cleansing. There's no other way to describe it. And I would encourage our listeners to Mm -hmm. do some research and give it a shot if they feel, as you say, called to take that action or take that initiative. So you did say earlier in the podcast that exposure doesn't always equal sales. So I want to give you a platform to share some of your favorite Sister Sage products to hopefully inspire some folks to come and try them out. What are your favorites? Wow, we're going to do a whole commercial, hey? Yep, (laughs) go for it. I I think my favorite is always the cedar soap. Um, I'm a West Coast girl, and so cedar is my medicine. So cedar smudge spray and the cedar soap, um, those are my definite favorites. Um, it's so hard to choose. So there's also my moon soaps that I create once a month at nighttime during the full moon. And the idea is just to take the those beautiful moon energies and supercharge my soaps with them. Um, and they're just like little pieces of art. And also it gives me an opportunity to share about um, the Indigenous moons and why the moons are important to us as Indigenous folks. And what else? Bath bombs are amazing. I'm going to choose sage because I love the idea of having a double cleanse where I can cleanse my body and spirit with the bath bomb. <laughs> and, so great. Um, and very popular is our salve. 
So uh, Melissa and I processed the Devil's Club and create a salve with it. And it's very good for dry skin, for eczema, um, for sunburns, which is, you know, that's uh, as of late. And, um, and like deep tissue pain. So all I, I, it's hard to choose a single, pr- I want to amplify all of these products, go out and buy <laughs> them all sisterysage.com. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't wait to go back to the website. Now that I've got a depth of understanding, <laughs> having done the research for this podcast and knowing more about you and pick some of those up myself, um, because we're running out of bath bombs. So Let's talk marketing. You gained over 17,000 followers this past year. Can you share some specific tips for those in the community seeking to build their social media followings? That's so crazy. Um, what was the question? <laughs> you You're blown me away. 17, <laughs> it says it, what I pulled from our research was you gained 17,000 followers this year. So my question is, I'm thinking back to how did you go about getting those followers? What marketing things do you do? What works in social media? What are the tips for our community to build your social media following? Yeah, I think this is a, a, like an entire other podcast. <laughs> but, um, let me give, let me let you, let me share with you what I do. Um, since the beginning, um, you know what? I was really anti-Facebook. I was like, can we all just go back to MySpace? You remember MySpace? <laughs> I loved MySpace. <laughs> Um, and so I, I started learning about um, analytics, uh, different times to post, what posts are good, what works well. Um, and it was just, it was a ton of research and a lot of like trial and error. And uh, a big thing is that you have to just always be posting because if you go a week or two weeks without posting, people will forget about you and they'll just fall off. So you have to be relevant and engage your followers. Um, so that's good pieces of advice. Something that I, I, I did for a while was contests. So I would run contests with other, um, indigenous entrepreneurs, but the heartbreaking thing is at the end of the contest, you lose all of those followers. (laughs) So don't necessarily depend on contests to get you, um, a good following at the moment. I'm trying to break into TikTok. So please can everybody just go and follow me? The analytics of TikTok say that millennials spend 22 and a half hours a week on TikTok. And I'm horrified because that's probably me, <laughs> but, that's, <laughs> but that's where I need to break into. We will make sure to include all of your channels in the show notes as well. And everybody specifically go to TikTok. Well, I certainly look forward to following your journey from here. Um, what I've learned from you today and I don't know that you've specifically said it, is that research is super important. You've certainly said being a part of community is essential to building a business. And that's actually why we chose the theme community for this year. And the other piece that I was hearing from you was engaging people through consistency. So where to from here? And I know that in the beginning of this podcast, I'm circling right back. You're like, I knew we needed to build something that was a safe haven for my sister and I, and I didn't know what that was. So I'm really curious to see if your visioning has evolved as a business owner, or if you're still very much a have the big vision and let the container happen. Yeah, this is um, another really great, great question. Um, I, again, like I'm iterating and I'm always iterating and 
um, I'm going to be envisioning bigger and larger. At the moment, we've just moved into this lovely house, which is much larger. When we first started, we were just in a tiny basement and, you know, I like the soap walls were closing in and it was just getting difficult to have more people to help out. Um, so we've created, we, we moved here and now we have this safe place for us to all work. Um, another thing that I do for um, the women who work here is I make sure to pay them a living wage, which is super important. In Vancouver, it's $19 an hour. So that this is my now vision. In the future, I really would like to move to a, like a warehouse or a, a larger workshop that's away from home. Um, I think it's, I find it a little bit difficult to separate work and uh, personal life because they are very integrated and, and, and combined, but I think there still does need to be a bit of a, a separation. Um, and so eventually move into a workshop and then it, move into different cities, maybe open storefronts um, and hopefully win some more awards. <laughs> I think that sounds like a really good plan. <laughs> Yeah. So congratulations on all your successes over the past two years. And thank you so, so much for being one, an amazing human, standing tall and shining bright to help us all design a better world. I'm honored to call you a CEO sister, to have you a part of this big, enormous small business BC community. And I am excited to share all your advice with our community. So thank you for your time today, Lynn Marie. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I've had a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Our pleasure. Wow. Wasn't that a fantastic first episode? It was just filled with business brilliance. Thanks again to Lynn Marie at Sister Sage for sharing her wisdom. This top three takeaways segment is to put inspiration into action and to hopefully generate some new traction for your business or idea. Our producer, Darren, is going to be joining me for this segment. His role at Small Business BC is the content coordinator, and every day he is immersed in the stories of small business. So we couldn't think of a better person to help pull out the gold in these episodes. Hey, Darren. Hey, Carly. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. I didn't invite you. This was both of our idea. So I'm excited to riff on this and talk about the top three takeaways. I'll dive in first, so I won't put you on the spot. What really stood out for me in this episode was the power of clarity of purpose. Lynn Marie told us in, in many different ways, she's like, I've never done X before, or I've never done Y before. I've never pitched in a competition before. I never launched a small business before. I know nothing about business. But what she was super clear on is that her life needed a change. And to go deeper than that, she knew that she needed a safe place, a safe workplace for her and her sister, and she was determined to create it. What about you, Darren? What stood out for you or how would you interpret that clarity of purpose piece? I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said there. You know, for me, Lynn recognized really early in the process of starting Sister Sage that she didn't necessarily have the skill set to make this work. And, you know, from sp speaking to a lot of entrepreneurs in my day to day role, a lot of people would have bounced off the whole idea of starting a business at this point, you know, maybe thinking to themselves, you know, mm, this isn't for me. But, you know, instead, she put her head down, she got to work, she figured it all out. 
And it's that attitude, skill and tenacity, I think, that all successful entrepreneurs have in common. And, you know, you have to recognize, I think, that you're going to hit walls at some point. I mean, everybody does. But it's, it's what you do when you, you hit those moments that'll be the difference between your success and failure. Incredible success, actually. Yeah, for sure. Tenacity is a word you mentioned, and she has that to the moon and back, as well as conviction and belief. And one of the notes I wrote down while I was listening to the episode to pull forward is I wrote down, when you believe you can, you will. And I've heard that said before, but there's an important piece in the middle of that. So I'm going to say it a little differently. When you believe you can and you take action, you will. Mm-hmm. And time and time again, Lynn Marie talked about doing research and and fully immersing herself in something she didn't know, going to the pitch competitions, listening to podcasts about pitching. And she just kept practicing. Some people listening to this, they they might be the type of person, and I do this myself, that you self-exclude yourself from opportunities thinking that, you know, I'm not good enough for this, I'm not smart enough. But, you know, if you can just find a way to push past those concerns, that's when you reach the zone where amazing things can happen. For me as well, Lynn has really used, she knew from the first moment what her why was. She knew why she was doing this. And she used that why to fuel her through those tough times. And it's just so inspirational. Absolutely. And all together in this for me is through this conversation threads through to the third takeaway, which is a quote from her, which was a mic drop moment in the podcast for me. It's growth doesn't come at the speed of comfort. You have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that you did that when you came to Canada. 100%. I mean, it's you you know that a process like this and a process like coming to a different country, it's going to be something that's uncomfortable. It's going to put you out of your comfort zone. But you know what? Like we have to accept that that's not such a bad place to be. And in, in terms of running a business, that's where you, you'll not only grow your business, but you can also potentially grow as a person. 100%. Every single time when you are in that zone of discomfort, you might not see it but trust that you're growing. So to wrap our top three takeaways today, I have a couple questions for you to ask yourself. Am I clear on my purpose or our why? Said differently, am I clear on my business's purpose beyond making a profit? Profit is just an outcome. So check with yourself, make sure it's written down and read it. Am I clear on our purpose? Second question, ask yourself, how comfortable am I right now? Am I too comfortable? Do I need to get a little uncomfortable? Because if you're answering yes to that, yes, I'm feeling comfortable right now, I'm going to challenge you to step forward, to take on that next big goal, to step into that place. You're like, "Mm, I don't don't know. Step into that place of uncertainty and then reflect on it after you've worked through it and see how much you achieved and how much you grew. And the third one, coming back to that, when you believe you can, you will. Sometimes you don't believe but you can create that belief by taking action. And all you need to do is take the next step. Ask yourself, what is the next step? And take that next step and repeat. And the confidence will come. Thanks for tuning in to the Made Possible podcast brought to you by Big Bold Brand and Small Business BC. We want this podcast to become a valuable community resource. So we're putting the ask out to you, our community, to help us build a following. If you found inspiration and insights 
in this episode to fuel your entrepreneurial fire, we're going to ask you to share it with a friend and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. You can get more info on the show and catch up on all the episodes to come at smallbusinessbc.ca forward slash podcast. If you have any feedback on the show, you can email madepossible at smallbusinessbc.ca. And if you want to get in touch with me, Carly Cunningham, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or visit my website at bigboldbrand.com. I want to give one big shout out to our producer, Darren, who makes this possible. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.